Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucky Doll Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Well, everyone, it's been a few weeks since I've had a fresh podcast for everyone, but um, I'm finally back. Don't you worry, I'm not going anywhere. I just needed a little bit of time to kind of get a little situated in a new spot, kind of have a new setup, had to get the internet, had to get the hookup, had to get the microphones all uh, wired up and everything. So um, you can probably hear a slight difference in the audio. I'm recording on a slightly different program and in a different place. It is currently Friday, September 30th, which is... Uh, Pretty good, pretty good date right there. It's almost 7 a.m. at this point. It is uh, the East Coast, North Carolina um, area I am podcasting from. Why is all that relevant at this moment? Well, um, currently there's a hurricane surging straight through Florida. I think that happened within the last 12 hours. And it's kind of going up the coast and coming towards us. In North Carolina now, my um, my thoughts to everyone that are uh, having to go through the worst of it down south uh, in the Florida areas. But um, I just kind of wanted to get my thoughts out of uh, you know what's been going on the last few weeks, months since we've really spoken on the aftercast. So the last time I recall. Dropping an aftercast, I don't have the exact date, but I think it was the aftercast 29 that was um, dropped around the middle to late March. And so a lot has happened since then, you know, I, I feel like life has really taken off in so many different directions for me personally. Um, and I hope it has as well for everyone else. You know, I hope everyone has progressed in ways the last few months that they've wanted to. Also, I'm in the kitchen of a new spot I'm recording in. And so if you hear a fridge or some sort of appliance going off, there's only so much I can do to suppress that. So my bad. <laughs> so what's happened in the last few, uh, what's happened in the last few months, weeks, uh, time since we've spoken and sat down and talked on the aftercast. The uh, main things that I can think about are um, sipping some Cafe Bustella. Um, main things I can think of, well, we had like a whole minor pandemic of a completely different subsection of a disease, uh, I, I believe is, is was categorized as. Uh, around March, April, May, there was a crazy rise in monkeypox, which was not on my bingo card for the crazy things that were going to happen this year. Monkeypox ended up becoming uh, like an epidemic in a lot of uh, uh, communities. And um, over the course of the summer, thank goodness, they had already had, um, you know, vaccines and ways that they could treat it, but it still did not look like a fun disease to have. So I was kind of wigging out a little bit about that. You know, I was I was always worried about COVID for the last few years. And now we have monkeypox just come out of nowhere. It's just like, could we not get a break on the dang, the health front, my Lord. But um, it looks like from what I've heard more recently that that's way more um, under control from, from the news sources I was hearing from, like NPR and stuff like that. But still um, didn't look fun to experience. So that had happened over the, the summer. Let me think what else. Um, uh, I did a little bit of traveling. I had some fun excursions in Vegas. I, I, I'm kind of jumping all over the timeline of summer, but uh, a few weeks ago at the beginning of September, I just got back from a Swedish House Mafia concert in Vegas. I've been waiting to see these guys for I don't know how long. Um, these are my heroes with regards of... Uh, uh, seeing them uh, perform for a decade from uh, the biggest festivals in the world, they want—they made me want to become a, a, a DJ for a while. That's kind of how I landed up with a microphone in my hand now on a podcast, just to, uh, with regards of talking about uh, audio and uh, audio engineering and stuff like that. So these guys are really formulative. And my, oh, here's, who goes the fridge? Um, 
these guys were really special to me growing up. I was, um, I, I felt like a changed man after I saw the Swedish House Mafia. I didn't really know how to describe it, but it was the best. We Okay, so my buddy Haytham and his brother and I, we all went uh, really early on the website about a year ago and bought these tickets, not knowing that uh, we would be combining the trip with a bachelor party with uh, my buddy, another buddy of mine named Dom. Um, and so... We had all of the boys. We had all. We had the whole crew. We had the Swedish House Mafia tickets. It was a blast. They the the tickets were expensive in the, a couple hundred dollar range, and I normally wouldn't be in favor of doing that if I wasn't getting you know VIP treatment and stuff like that. But these guys, I've been waiting to see Swedish House Mafia in the, uh, North America for, I don't, you know, like I said, about a decade because we had, um, tickets to the one last tour with anybody that knows Swedish House Mafia. They, they, uh, retired as a trio and it went their own separate ways around 2012, 2013. And so they had their one last tour, uh, concert, world tour back in almost 10 years ago so i've been waiting for so long to see if they were going to come back so i just had to go vegas was like the biggest one of the biggest places i wanted to go to um to see them and so we saw them in the t-mobile arena absolutely worth every buck i mean uh, granted i was uh you know i've been waiting to see them for i don't know how long but i i gotta say i had a i i felt like a euphoric blast uh, it, uh, like I told Haytham multiple times, it's like losing your virginity again. I was just like, this is the most amazing concert I've ever been to. It had all my favorite songs, all of their classics, plus all of their new classics. Um, you know, if you don't, ha- if you don't have a correlation for Swedish House Mafia and their music, then just think of your favorite uh, artist that you've wanted to see for you know ten plus years, and then finally getting to see them. Well, uh, that's what it felt like for me. You know, I I finally got to see them. The stage was moving with this uh, like like UFO looking saucer of lights and lasers going all over the place. Um, there was there's videos online where you can go check out the actual. Uh, a concert and just see how big the dang uh, the venue is of T-Mobile Arena. It's around, I think, I don't know if they had the very top row um, sold out, but the, I think it was around 20,000 people that can normally fit in there. So I'd say about 15 were there. It was, it was immaculate. I, I can't say better things about it. Um, I will say T-Mobile Arena uh, really packed the house and it made it turn it turned it, the arena into uh, a what felt like a real rave. So, anyways, I um had an amazing time with all the boys. Amazing time seeing the Swedish House Mafia. That was just within the last month. I've really been um, pushing myself to go out of my comfort zone just to kind of experience more things, uh, such as concerts and. Uh, more events, nightlife, things out of my comfort zone that I normally wouldn't want to do. I, I just felt like this summer I needed to really make the most of it. Uh, you know, but being on my later 20s, it's like, all right, we need to start, you know, uh, having the fun that you want to have because, you know, this is the youngest you're going to get. And so I feel, I, I've, I feel like it's maybe every four years that you kind of have this new sense of, all right, maturity, and you're getting ready to go on to this next step of life. Like, I'm trying to mentally get myself ready to turn 30, so I'm kind of not in mental shock when it actually happens. You know, I have less than two years, technically, to become 30, so I wanted to have, you know, in my opinion, I wanted to have a place established. I wanted to have my businesses established. I have a couple... Uh, different ventures that I I work in and I enjoy really all of them it's just um, having them all established is very important to me so yeah I've been thinking a lot about my age over the summer and whatnot and what uh, that is encouraging and discouraging for me to do I know that you shouldn't put peg an age too much to what 
you, you know, where you are in life, everyone has, is in a different spot. You know, some people start their lives way early, uh, get married super out the gate, um, early 20s, have one or two kids, maybe three kids before 25, and then some of them have an amazing life, you know, that I, I, I do envy the, those people, but then I see a large subsection of people that are like, you know, go live your life, don't have, uh, don't have all of these responsibilities until you are absolutely ready, if that's possible, and so I, I'm kind of trying to live by that motto a little bit more, um, more recently than not, just kind of to, you know, go experience things, go to events, go to the concert, go to hang out with these people that you probably would have said no to, uh, a while back, you know, I, I'm trying to be more encouraging of other people to explore out of their comfort zone because, you know, we don't, we have a finite amount of time. Why not go experience things? Worst case scenario, you don't like it, you get to leave. You're a grown-ass person. Most of you are. Um, but that's just kind of been my mindset recently. I, uh, Like I said, I do feel kind of like a changed man after going to this uh, Vegas and Swedish house. It's not my first time in Vegas. It's uh, uh, probably third or fourth in the past five years. But um, just experiencing the concert, hanging out in different environments. It's just like, I want to see more of the world. And I, I don't think there's anything really want, wrong with that. Not saying anyone is saying that there's wrong with it, but um, yeah, I hope everyone is had a good summer. If you're in the States, if you're outside the States, I guess you're experiencing more winter times, I guess, during those months. So whatever season you're experiencing, because, uh, you know, this is a worldwide podcast. Um, you know, and I appreciate everyone listening and always supporting the podcast five stars if you can on the Apple iTunes and, or whatever podcast platform you're listening from. Let me know what you want to listen to. Let me know what the kind of reviews you want to hear. Um, I can rattle off a couple of, uh, quick things that I've, uh, been watching. I don't want to give full reviews for anything cause that's not what this podcast is about, but I did watch the entire Lord of the Rings series, uh, the original three movies. So I watched the fellowship of the ring and the return of the King on the standard edition. And then the twin towers extended edition. Um, obviously I watched them in order. Um, but I gotta say, um, I wanted to watch the, the Lord of the rings to get ready for the rings of power show. And we'll talk a little bit about this without going into any spoilers. Of course, Big, I'm a big spoiler, spoiler heavy guy. Like I, I don't want to be spoiled on things. Don't spoil the the stories for me, and I won't spoil them for you. I won't spoil them for you unless you ask me to. Or we're in the spoiler section. I'll be very clear about it. Um, overall, uh, Lord of the Rings, it's uh, it's extremely ambitious, and I'd say overall very successful. Telling the story of uh, the rings, the power, all that stuff, you know, the ring, Lord of the Rings trilogy. I got to say the extended cut, let me, I'll talk about each one real quick. Fellowship of the Ring, it's almost like perfect for me. I thought the, the, the entire movie just is so well paced. The way that it's introducing the story and it's unraveling the elements and the way that it ends, I think it just really is very powerful. Um, writing is the best for it. It, it, it. All of it is very seamless for me. And I want to say that it was sitting around three hours almost. So I really enjoyed Fellowship of the Ring. So the second one was ex- the extended cut of The Two Towers. Um, the Two Towers. It was... It felt like an extended cut to me. I got to say that there's multiple scenes that don't feel like they belong in there. They should have cut. I, I, I just felt very self-aware about this um, specific cut. I kind of want to go back and rewatch the two towers on the regular edition just to see what the pacing was like. Because the pacing was one of the things I was most impressed about for Fellowship of the Ring. I think it's pushing like two hours, almost three hour movie. Um, and I didn't feel any of it. And now I think two towers is well, it's like three and a half hours, something like that, maybe almost four hours. And, uh, I just felt every, I felt a lot of it. 
Um, and I also do feel like my, my vision of having watched, um, having watched Game of Thrones recently within the last like five years, it's just like we're spoiled on it. I, the, the CGI versus the practice, the CGI and Lord of the Rings obviously does not, um, age as well as the Game of Thrones practical effects and griminess of it. And, um, uh, just to kind of, uh, compare the fantasy elements of it. But, but overall the storytelling is super epic on Lord of the Rings. And so the last movie, Return of the King, that was just to say, um, uh, the first, first half was a little bit kind of more of the two towers ish for me. I was, you know, enjoying it, but not loving it. But then the last hour of Return of the King is, uh, very emotionally, uh, driven the characters that I love are, are, are together and you know the, the they they really bring the story back you know bring it in home and so I gotta say uh, it's clearly worth it for just the, the storytelling and epic scope of it alone but I gotta say um it didn't really make me want to go watch Rings of Power. I, I have watched the first two, three episodes, I think, of Rings of Power now. Um, and I did do a little bit of a, a, a Rings of Power versus House of the Dragon talk at the end of the House of the Dragon podcast just to kind of um, compare the two. I And I, I'm still... I Even having watched Lord of the Rings and enjoying a lot of it, not loving it, but enjoying it. I love the first movie. I, I really enjoyed the last two. Um, but it nothing about it really is correlating for me as just mostly as like a casual fan. Like I'm not a super Tol- Tolkienite or anything like that. And with the mortal and Gollum and my precious and all that stuff. Gladiol and all that. Like... There was, there's nothing in the storytelling of Rings of Power that is super engaging for me to watch the show yet. Um, so watching it on the week-to-week thing is just kind of like, all right, here's another episode. I, I, I really feel like they needed to establish that first episode and second episode a lot stronger. The second episode of Rings of Power is a lot stronger than the first one, like almost leaps and bounds. I was coming home from Vegas and watching that first episode obviously it was we were on a red eye so i was i was pretty tired coming back from vegas and you know body depleted uh hydration depleted i was like i was just completely uh, i was exhausted so with uh you know with saying that i was on the airplane and oh i gotta tell you about this airplane ride oh my gosh this guy anyways um beside me was ridiculous um so I was watching Rings of Power and I, I was falling asleep actively watching the first episode a couple times. And I was like, is this going to be this self-serious the entire time? And I feel like they start to have a little bit more self-awareness about themselves in the second episode. But they are elves that are so self-serious and uh, the the writing is just kind of dull a little bit in some sections. But then you got like the Harfoots, which are supposed to be kind of like the prelude to the, um, uh, not the dwarves, but the, uh, what's his name? Um, now I can't remember what his name is. Anyways, uh, Frodo, the pre, the pre, preloads to the Frodo's, um, I'm saying the Frodo's, I, I can't remember what the, their names are, but anyways, the problem with the Rings of Power for me versus the Lord of the Rings movies kind of intersecting is that apparently they got the rights to like half of the uh, half the books or something like that. Like they didn't get the rights to oh Hobbit, that's what it is. Um it, the, the Harfoots are preludes to the Hobbits, but that's only because they didn't get the the naming rights of saying Hobbit, I guess. I I was I'm thoroughly confused on what the naming rights are of the show versus the uh, the movie, um, but uh, and obviously watching the movies, you kind of get a peek into what uh, is going to happen to a lot of these characters. Kind of, they're kind of doing like a Better Call Saul thing, you know, with a prelude of uh, 
what's happening in Rings of Power. But, um, you know, let me talk about some good things about Rings of Power real quick. The Rings of Power, you know, they got a... Um, I like the opening. They've got a bajillion dollars in there. Um, uh, I'd say there's some really good actors in there. But the writing and storytelling is really holding me back from loving the show. And it's not like I need epic story fantasy storytelling or anything like that or you know gore everywhere sex everywhere all that just stuff that house of the dragon has it doesn't have to have any of that uh it can still be effective it just needs to you know bump up the pacing i think the pacing is extremely slow for week to week it's not extreme it's not very engaging for the the average audience and i think the majority of people don't know how to relate to the show in the same way that we're relating to House of the Dragon. Um, I'm kind of comparing both again. Um, House of the Dragon for me, um, it's just better. It's just it has been better at introducing us to new characters, the characters' motivations, um, the storytelling is just a little bit smoother. the The lines are quippy. It's, it's reminding me of some of the better episodes of Game of Thrones um, throughout the seasons, even some of the earlier seasons. But um, I've seen six episodes of Game of Thrones, uh, the House of the Dragon, versus the three episodes of Rings of Power. And just so far, um, at least the first five episodes for me on House of the Dragon were extremely engaging. There's... Uh, let me talk a little bit about House of the Dragon without going into any spoilers or anything like that. It's just kind of just for the fans that are watching. Um, so just talking about between five and six. Um, between five and six, House of the Dragon episodes, there's a big time jump. And they have replaced the actors uh, of two very vital main characters, almost creating uh, another... Uh, like minor pilot episode halfway through this um this series which i think is extremely bold and kind of interesting in a couple of ways they are the only two actresses so these two actresses that took over the places of that remember i'm talking about episode six now in house of the dragon if you don't know this then you can kind of bow down bow bow down bow out now um or you don't want to know this, but there's, I just want to kind of talk my, talk about my thoughts behind the scenes on what's going on here. Um, my, my problem with the time jump, and I've heard some people say it doesn't affect them and some people it does. The people it's not affecting uh, based off of what I'm hearing is, are the, the book readers, obviously just like, uh, rings of power. I believe house of the dragon with their completed books, Fire and Blood, I believe, is the book. Um, the prelude to The Dance of Dragons, if I'm correct. Um, so anyways, the... the Sorry, I lost my place. Uh, the book... Okay, so the book has a big time jump. There are a lot of time jumps in it, apparently. And the show is kind of abiding by it, by that. And I mean, I'm talking years in between episodes. And there's a big time jump between the two characters of uh, Rhaenyra and Alicent that happened um, between episode five and six, which they changed the actress actresses. And these were the original actresses cast for these parts. Um, I I really enjoy the performances of these new actresses. However, I feel a little bit bait and switched having had the first five episodes with these two other actresses playing the same character characters i'm i'm kind of baffled by how long they decided to keep them you know um how long they decided to keep them as those characters normally if there's flashbacks they'll either go back and forth between the olders the older and younger self but this is one of the first times I can really remember um, midway through a season that they completely switch the actors when there's a time jump. And not just like after one or two episodes, after five episodes. So 
I was loving House of the Dragon through episode five and then started watching episode six. And it kind of, the, the pacing, the rhythm of episode five, the betrayals, the violence, the sex, it was all there. Um, the royal, uh, you know, all of the, the things that we love about the House of the Dragon were happening in the first five episodes. And so I'm kind of like, I don't know exactly how to, how to react to them doing that. I'm not exactly excited. I'm not exactly pissed. I just felt the pacing of it kind of come to a screeching halt. Not to say this was a terrible episode, um, but there was, there's things about the, the episode that I was just like, the, the, we're on, we're on fast forward right now. And I, y'all, we need to slow down because we're, you know, characters are getting taken off the board. They're switching out actresses kind of without any subterfuge. There's no like, it's just like, all right, this guy's gone. This guy's dead. This guy's alive. This guy's betrayed. This guy's doing this. You know, it's like, there's so much going on. Um, and I, I'd rather have too much going on than the opposing rings of power where it feels like, we're kind of dilly dallying around about I don't even know who these characters are, what their motivations are, why do I care about them? You know, I feel like even though the first few couple episodes of House of the Dragon have been kind of restrictive of kind of just following the Targaryens and their day to day, obviously watching Viserys de- decay in real time, um, <laughs> but I I've just been. Uh, enjoying how the pacing and the unfolding of house of the dragon had had been going up until the last episode. So that's just kind of like my, my two cents on the two, uh, series. I definitely think, you know, obviously house of the dragon is a rated R, you know, mature show versus the rings of power, which is clearly PG 13. I'm curious if they're going to kind of bump and grind or if they're just going to kind of continue to take different subsections, of the fantasy realm and, you know, improve upon. One thing I was talking about in the House of the Dragon review podcast and kind of comparing these two was the griminess of um, House of the Dragon. Like, for me, the majority of the Rings of Power looks like a very CGI, expensive-ass television show. But I... I look at the people and they look like they're wearing, um, it looks like they're wearing, you know, actors clothing. It looks like they're on a set. It look, you know, there's, there's multiple times I'm looking at them and I'm like, you know, this doesn't, it, you know, it kind of gives me the Marvel MCU look of kind of faded in the background a little bit and kind of washed out, um, I don't know if it's just me, maybe my television settings. I'm not sure. I need to watch it on a couple different screens to sometimes really understand what the the visual context is. Um, But for me, Game uh, Game of Thrones still looks... Well, to to be fair, the first Fellowship of the Ring, there are some like viscerally nasty things that you're seeing happen uh, in being like these goblin things being born during the middle of the Fellowship of the Ring movie. And, you know, the, um, you know, uh, not Christopher Walken, but Christopher, uh, Ring, Christopher, I, the, the evil wizard in Fellowship of the Ring is just like walking through, you know, uh, walking through where the goblins are being born in the Fellowship of the Ring movie. And it's just disgusting. I'm like, now this is the nastiness, the the practical effects nastiness that I miss um, seeing in just kind of general cinema as as it goes, you know. Because CGI sometimes it's just not nasty. You can just tell it's fake. And so the, there's still an element of House of the Dragon that that kind of evokes that nastiness of like, I don't want to live there. It look, you know, people look nasty, probably smells terrible. It's just like a visceral feeling 
watching the show versus when I watch Rings of Power, I'm like, all right, they it looks like they slapped some dirt on there. It look it doesn't ever look like they got down in the fucking mud and, you know, really got nasty. Like when you watch Battle of the Bastards and Game of Thrones, you're just like, Jesus, how did it, it makes you look at the actors and be like, how did y'all shoot this? How did y'all not get out there and actually swing a sword and, you know, it, and it's it's because they actually did go out there. They went to these locations. They it's not like they did it behind a screen. So that's kind of my two you know fifteen minutes on Rings of Power, House of the Dragon, uh, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. I have watched some other movies as well. I kind of rattle off real quickly. Um, I saw Vengeance. I saw uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Both of them uh, very entertaining for what they are. Um, the comedy in Vengeance works so well in the majority of it. And then for me, the ending kind of just, uh, plops down. It's not exactly my type of ending, but it might be your type of movie. I'd still recommend watching it just to kind of see BJ Novak, um, in there. And there's some great cameos. Um, I just like BJ Novak's, uh, uh, I, I really like his, um, Delivery, his delivery and sarcasm kind of evokes very much of the office type, um, and I feel like his his writing. I, I wish there was more of an office style show that he's writing again because his writing, along with like Mindy Kaling from The Office, um, would be very interesting in a twenty two twenty twenty two lens. Um, just kind of uh, seeing how he's. Uh, tackling quote unquote today's issue, issues. So I saw Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Um, that was actually pretty funny. There's a line in there from one of the actresses that's like, um, just I won't tell you anything about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I you know I'd recommend watching it, but just kind of know it's not fantastic. I think it's actually an A24 bottle film. And uh, Pete Davidson's in it, and uh, there's you know four girls that are like bouncing off the walls, um, and there's one that's a podcaster, and she's like she like spazzes at one point, and there's this line about podcasting about how it's really really hard to podcast and get a lot of followers. I got like three subscribers, and they all love me. And I've never felt more seen in a movie this year. <laughs> I was like, wow, going after the podcasters. I see, I, I, you know, podcasters obviously love getting a nice little shout out as well. If it's a good one, uh, you know, I didn't like the ones that were in Halloween, but, um, cause they were fucking re- so stupid. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was one of the best lines of the, uh, of uh the movie I, I, you know when you see it if if unless you've already seen it um you know what I'm talking about so let me think buys buys bodies I saw uh, vengeance lord of the rings I watched boogie nights and apocalypse now for the first time I was kind of going on like a kick of like trying to watch all of these movies and shows that I haven't seen in a long time and I, you know, I didn't want to get spoiled, but I, ne- I didn't necessarily want to do reviews on them. I just kind of wanted to see them and hear them and experience them. So I did see uh, Apocalypse Now, Boogie Nights, Where the Crawdads Sing, Hollow Man, Bullet Train, Secret Headquarters. Um, let me go off those real quick. Hollow Man, uh, honestly, Hollow Man is a nice rated R a nice rated R hollow man is a interesting rated R movie, uh, kind of preluding the superhero craze. What is it? 20, was it 2002, 2001? Okay. 2000 with Kevin Bacon. Um, I thought hollow man was kind of, uh, an interesting take on it. And it obviously has Paul Van Hoven, the, uh, kind of controversial director of, uh, Benedetta, uh, what was it? Uh, RoboCop. Uh, he's done a ton of different things. Uh, Black Book. Ellie. He's he's done a whole whole mess of different uh, Starship Troopers. 
Showgirls, Basic Instinct. Oh, I watched Basic Instinct not too long ago as well. I didn't realize he was that was Paul Van Heaven. Um, yeah, I I like that a lot as too a lot too. Total Recall, you know Paul Paul Van Heaven. He's got a very interesting eclectic style to him and a very interesting background. Um, Where the Crawdads Sing. I thought it was a fine adaptation. I found it interesting that they tried to uh, root it. I think they said North Carolina. And there was a couple of places that I was like, oh, I know that place. Oh, I've heard of that place, you know. And um, they made it a lot more marshy than I kind of remember. But I guess if you're on the coast, it's a lot more marshy if you think about it. Um, I think it's a fine adaptation. It's for it's for a certain audience, I believe. Although I do feel like it's somewhat formulaic. Um, performances are good. Bullet Train was entertaining action. Um, obviously, you got the Brad Pitt of it all. He kind of plays Brad Pitt. And, you know, has Brad Pitt. But it, what really makes this movie kind of interesting is the random assortment of people that are on the bullet train. You know, you're going to run into a lot of cool and interesting different Brian Tyree Henry. Um, what's his name? Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Joey King type presence. presence. Um, I enjoyed bullet train but I didn't love it I thought it was kind of a little bit over the top and sometimes emotionally just like I didn't care about the characters secret headquarters is a family film uh with uh Owen Wilson just want to talk about that real quick it it's one of my lowest rated of the year it's a five but it is a straight family film it's like what if Owen Wilson oh wow played um and Tony Stark, oh wow, you know, hitting him, hitting that the whole time, except he's in about 20 minutes of the movie, he's the biggest face on the poster, and, uh, and the movie focuses around his kid and his friends, who basically find his secret headquarters, and it is, uh, it, it feels like a movie slap dab from like 2004, and, you know, some Owen Wilson got paid a lot, I bet, for just showing up and putting his face all over the poster. Um, very, very, um, it, it was bullshit, kind of, but it, it's family bullshit. It's, you know, put it on for every, anyone under eight years old probably is going to find it entertaining. Um, let me see what else we got. Okay, so what else have I watched real quick? I kind of want to rattle some of these off. <clears throat> okay, so I watched Moonfall the other day with uh, my buddy Haytham. We cracked open a bottle of wine and watched this ridiculous-ass movie and just got engrossed of how fucking ridiculous this fucking movie is. It is a Ro- Roman Emmerich classic starring... Patrick Wilson, Halle Berry, and Samuel Tolly, or John Bradley, but we, you know, he's he's always going to be Samuel. Roland Emmerich, you know the guy, the guy from Independence Day, Godzilla, The Day After Tomorrow, fuck ton of things. Day After, what is it? Yeah, The Day After Tomorrow, Independence Day, did he do two as well? Um, anyways, the dude has 2012 a whole mess of different movies that cost a fuck ton of money. 10,000 BC. I actually like that movie. I know it's not 100% great, but um, anyways, he's known for making super grand scale epics and mostly disaster movies as well. Also a producer on White House Down, but anyways. Um, he, I didn't know he did, he was a director on The Patriot though. Was he the director? Yeah, he was. Anyways, uh, this movie is fucking insane. This movie is literally one of the most insane movies I've seen. I think just go off the fucking rails. Don't watch the trailer. Don't watch anything about it. Just know the moon is fallen and it's coming to earth. And that's all the fuck you need to know. Um, It is such a fucking ridiculous ass movie. I'm not saying it's good. But when I say they use all the CGI, they use all the fucking CGI. It's over the top, but I'm not. I'm honestly not sure that they realize how over the top. It's it's like they had three or four different ideas for 
the actual film and <laughs> and it's just like uh I guess we'll use all of them. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's a bizarre ass movie, a little over t- uh 2 hours. Watch it with some friends, crack a bottle of wine, do whatever your vice is and watch this shit. It is some funny ass ridiculous ass shit. Um, kind of in the same vein of Geostorm, but it, Geostorm had more sense than this, in my opinion. Um, I don't need, I don't think uh, Roland Emmerich did Geostorm, but it felt like of that, yeah, Dean Devlin. Um, but anyways, Moonfall, ridiculous-ass movie. I, we were cracking up throughout the whole thing, and I, it was not that kind of comedy. <laughs> uh, All the President's Men, a classic from, I think, like 1977, am I right? 76. Um, you know, it's uh, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford, uh, Jack Warden. We have, you know, classic, out directed by Alan J. Pakula. I, uh, I enjoyed... This the uh, the visual storytelling of this, it's uh, you know these two reporters that are the you know they're going on like a, a they're kind of going undercover to kind of figure out the details of the Watergate scandal that leads to the the uh, the Nixon invest President Richard Nixon investigation. Um, so. I think for a 70s movie, like, you don't see this type of movie shown a lot. It feels very procedural. I haven't seen Spotlight, but I feel like it's of the same vein of, you know, reporters or, you know, detectives kind of figuring out what's going on, who's who's undercover, who's when, uh, who's been where, who's been doing what, uh, the sneaky stuff behind the scenes. But um, the thing about it is, I think that... It is kind of long, in my opinion. Like the scenes are, you know, feel very long, strong, stro- strong, uh, uh, laid out long. We sit there almost for full conversations with people. There's like a five minute uh, telephone call, just sitting there watching Re- Robert Redford's face, and it just slowly pans in. It's one of my favorite shots of the movie. I think that this movie is is interesting from more or less the cinematography of how they decided to shoot this film. Like it's very moody, um, you know. Each each one of them kind of uh, evokes their own type of energy, and uh, yeah, they 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 play well off of each other. And I was surprised how young Robert Redford kind of reminded me of a more mature Brad Pitt. Um, it, like if Brad Pitt like starts morphing into Robert Redford as he gets older, I would not be surprised. <laughs> so I enjoyed a, a lot of the, the visual aspects and the, the serious storytelling nature of this movie. However, it was dry. For me, it was dry. Um, and they smoke a fuck ton of cigarettes. 13 Lives, another movie that I've watched recently. There's a lot of movies I haven't re- uh, recorded on, but it was a Ron Howard joint. You know how Ron Howard likes to go through these uh, true true life type uh, movies. Um, let me think of the last one he's done. Damn, he's produced a fuck ton. Okay, directed. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Let me see what this boy has been doing. What you been doing, Ronnie? Okay, so... He directed Hillbilly Elegy? Really? Damn. Damn, why'd you do that? <laughs> All right, anyways. So, yeah, you know Ron Howard. A lot of people know Ron Howard for, you know, my favorite movie of his, I think, was Rush. I think he did Rush. And that was with the Chris Hemsworth of it all. But, um, you know, he's always been doing some uh, true, quote-unquote, true-life type um, based on true stories, movies, and stuff like that. Let me see what else he has. Uh, da, 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 da. I guess Hillbilly Elegy is sort of based, you know, loosely based off of real people. I guess he did. I guess he did the Beatles. 
that movie breakthrough i didn't see that uh oh i guess he doesn't have as many as i thought that he did anyways um this is old ronnie howard on 13 lives 13 lives was actually pretty compelling it's about the uh the soccer team in Vietnam, was it, that they got stuck in a cave? Sorry, not Vietnam, Thailand. Uh, excuse me, Thailand. And we're following the group of cave divers that are sent to go try to help the um, the young boys, the young soccer team that is stuck in the caves as the water is rushing in. It is a super compelling movie. It reminds me of the likes of like the I think it was called Deep Horizon with uh, Mark Wahlberg of the disaster movie with the uh, the oil spill, BP oil spill. I think that this movie definitely evokes those vibes of that type of uh, that type of pacing and um, you know showing the level of danger of what what really happened. Um, during these vital, you know, hours. So, anyways, I gotta say that it was it was very compelling. I'd recommend it. It was on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, yeah, I, it, it, the performances are good. And it's uh, if you don't know the story, I think it, it it's pretty good to go in cold as well. X is another movie that I've watched. Wow, it was a spicy horror film with some very interesting twists that I have not even unpacked yet. I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts on X, so I need to kind of go back and look at them. I was um I was pretty blown away. I um think the performances are amazing. The the visual storytelling of just how the moody piece of it being an A24 film, I feel like that's one thing they always serve, right? Is the uh, the look of the film. Um, the main performance by uh, Mia Goth, I believe, is is spot on. Honestly, I love all these ac- actresses, and uh, we have Kid Cudi in there as well, as well directed by Ty West. Um, I was very surprised about how much I enjoyed um, X, and I know that there's kind of other films that have been kind of uh, released in the, secretly in the last couple months. Um, kind of low-key they're like hey this is a, a sequel hey this is a prequel and that's pretty cool that they're able to continue on in this world it's been kind of a low-key cult classic sleeper hit i also saw raising arizona i've never seen raising arizona i've heard a lot about it but it was way more goofier than i was expecting um obviously you got the uh the Coen brothers and Nick Cage leading with Holly Hunter on alongside and John Goodman as well. Um, I was, uh, I, I really enjoyed raising Arizona. It almost feels like a, a short story in a way. It's, it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, and on top of that, I have two more, actually a, just a few more that I want to talk about. Um, orphan, orphan and orphan first kill are a very interesting combination of movies. Let me discuss this just with a minor spoiler of the synopsis for these movies. If you don't want to know, just skip ahead 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. Okay, so the premise for Orphan and Orphan Kills. The first one, obviously, Orphan, someone adopts this creepy girl, I believe, if I remember correctly, and then she's you know goes on killing Rampage. Kind of like the omen, but uh, you know, it's a creepy girl instead. Orphan First Kill takes is a movie that was shot ten years later, but is a prequel using the same actress as the original Orphan movie in two thousand nine. So it's a fascinating piece of work that they do here. Um, you know, with this prequel using the same actress, and they they're using a whole bunch of camera trickery and and uh, CGI, I believe, a little bit to kind of uh, to to make this work. And I think that there is, an, you know, without saying anything else about it, you know, spoilery that honestly, these two pairs of movies are some of my favorite horror films more recently than not, just because of how ridiculous and ambitious it is. Uh, It's just uh, kind of a joy to see this happen just from the trickery of it. Um, 
go go check those out if you haven't seen them. Uh, if you like horror films, watch it maybe with some friends. Um, Elvis, I saw the Elvis film. The performance by um, uh, Austin Butler is out of this world. The direction by Baz Luhrmann is at its Luhrmannist. Um, you know, over the top, fever dreamish. What the hell's going on every two seconds? Camera can't stop moving. It's like he drank all of the Red Bull vodkas and he's slinging the camera everywhere, slinging it as pelvis, uh, at Elvis's pelvis. It's just like it is. It's a world whirlwind of things happening in this movie, and I just got to say that it, it. I. It's too long for for me. I don't like the perspective of where the story takes from. The, the, without spoiling it, it, it's we're kind of in the perspective of his manager the whole time. So we're not actually with Elvis a hundred percent. We're kind of kind of going in and out of his memories almost. Um, but the performances are good, and there is some good music in there. However, there are like the the hip hippity hoppity remixes of the songs that I don't feel like fit in this narrative. Now, I kind of always kind of equate the musical biopics more recently than not to the Bohemian Rhapsodies, to the Rocket Mans, to... Uh, uh, what was the Latin one? We're in the Heights, in the Heights type thing. Um you know, I I like Rocket Man and In the Heights and those a little bit better than the Elvis and the, the Bohemian Rhapsodies of it all. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people have to say things about Bohemian Rhapsody, but Rocket Man was the epitome of kind of showing the musical biopic with such style and flair that I thought that it it worked so much more in its favor i if i'm watching an elvis movie or if i was directing an elvis movie i would want the cleanest crispest versions of the song i wouldn't want a a chopped up remix you know mostly because like if you're doing the chopped up remix i say like who is this movie for for me when i was watching the first trailer of elvis i think this almost is a marketing problem as well it looks like it's going to be the most epic storytelling of Elvis's life from the time that he's a child all the way to to the end. Um, but the second one, the second trailer, shows way more of the modern style music they're blending with it, the modern style editing and cutting with it. It's very interesting to see how this movie was marketed because if I remember correctly, the first, the first trailer, I was like, mom you know i was texting my mom or something like that and i was like mom you need to see this elvis is going to be great and then the second trailer came out while we were seeing top gun maverick which is a phenomenal movie by the way you don't need me to tell you that but um elvis played the elvis trailer number two played and they play like this remix of hound dog and you know you ain't nothing but a uh dog you know got the doja cat in it and stuff like that like that's a fine song and everything, but I didn't need it in my Elvis movie. Like, I wanted the original mix, or I wanted him. It, it's a very interesting movie with how they're, like, cherry-picking kind of things that, you know, they are making him feel very sympathetic in a way, but they're also, I don't know. It, the perspective of it really threw me off. I was just not into this movie as much as I wanted to be. And I wanted to be like, it, it feels like a persona of Elvis. You know, if there was a multiverse of multiverses of Elvises, I feel like this is sad, sad Elvis from the, you know, perspective of his manager who, you know, took advantage of him apparently. So I'm just, you know, I wanted to like this movie more, you know. That, but that's kind of my two cents on the uh, the most recent Elvis movie. Anyways, y'all know my thoughts on um, Nope. 
I watched Heat for the first time. I know I'm kind of just rattling off random movies I watched over the summer that I haven't podcasted on, but, you know, maybe you like some of this. Um, Heat was a lot slower of a movie than I was expecting, a lot more of a slow burn um, of these two kind of veteran actors who I thought were going to bring a different flavor to this type of film. I might be in the minority of saying this is more of a... uh, it just a fine film instead of like a you know one of the the ultra high knot films that I would ultra high caliber acted films I just felt like there was multiple scenes of like Robert De Niro and his girl girlfriend that are just like kind of insufferably boring and I you know a movie that's two hours and 50 minutes I, that utilizes every bit of that space would be like The Dark Knight. And I'm not saying the comparison, but like Christopher Nolan modeled a lot of his visual aesthetic off of heat. And after watching it, you can definitely see the influences of even just the interrogation scenes from both movies, how they're influenced, you know, the gunfights, the the bank robberies, that type of thing. I think that there's a lot of uh, parts of the movie that are very um, noticeable in other movies, but I'm just like, the heat just did not end in a way that I thought, were, it, it, it did not land in a way that I was expecting. I thought it was going to be kick-ass, bad-ass, you know, dad's going to love this shit, but I was like, this is a lot more of a um, slow burn, slow provocative burn than than not, you know? So, you know... I had a lot to think about. Prey, loved it. Don't have to say much more than that. Amber Mid Thunder, did 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 the work. Dan Trachtenberg showed him how it's done. Dakota Beavers, the brother in it, amazing. Everyone did excellent. Uh, Minority Report, obviously. Uh, Amazing sci-fi, kind of like pre-superhero action, uh, Boogie Nights. Again, I've watched all of these movies over the course of the summer. I just haven't podcasted on them. Uh, Boogie Nights. What the hell happened to Mark Wahlberg? Why did it? Why was he such a great actor in Boogie Nights and then just kind of fell off of that? I'm curious. What the hell did he do after Boogie Nights? Because that was some fucking good shit. Like I enjoyed. The roller coaster of Boogie Nights. Um, you know, actually, some of his best films, honestly. You know what? Mark Wahlberg might get a bad rap when it comes to, you know, his acting ability. When I go back and kind of look at his, uh, you know, obviously he had Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch kind of stuff. But. When you go back and look at some of his best films, Boogie Nights, an amazing film. Obviously, Burt Reynolds did a lot in that, but Boogie Nights and Julianne Moore, hell, everyone did. Um, But he was great in that. Um, Let me think anything else. The Italian Job, very entertaining. You know, Four Brothers, I think that's another entertaining, low-key hit. Invincible was fine, but, uh, you know, the... The Departed, obviously one of the great, great films. Shooter, very entertaining. Happening, absolutely not. Max Payne, no. You know, like, looking at his, he has such a wide range of his movies. That's It's very surprising. The Other Guy is one of my favorites. Anyways, um, Boogie Nights, a lot of fun to, a lot of fun. A very interesting watch. It It is kind of the rags to riches movie. Um... And it reminds me a lot of Licorice Pizza, but this is um, Paul Thomas Anderson's, um, like one of his darlings, I believe. I don't think this was his first movie, but um, it's still one of his best movies. Let me see. 20. Damn, he's directed a lot of shit. What did he do right before this? Um, I haven't seen Hard Eight or Cigarette. Let me see. Cigarettes and coffee. That's not a... Yeah. No. I think Hard Eight... Hard Eight was his debut. So this was his second movie. Very interesting. Very uh, very well directed. And uh, 
it's confident in its storytelling. I mean, you have like John C. Riley and Don Cheadle just uh, and Heather Graham, obviously William H. Macy, all these amazing actors, and they're not even the main characters. They're you know they're kind of uh, just very strong supporting cast. So. Uh, Boogie Nights, obviously, I'm a little late to it, but I wanted to go back and see it. Oh, and The Exorcist as well. I can basically just put that under the same thing um, as Boogie Nights, an amazing movie. Um, I honestly, the thing about The Exorcist is, you know, uh, what I thought were the main parts of the movie don't happen until like relatively later in the movie. There was so much more of a scientific angle to the movie that. Um, uh, I, to the Exorcist movie that I actually appreciate, you know, that's it's. I didn't think that that was where the movie was going to go. So those have been about thirty minutes of movies that I've been maybe a little bit longer of movies and stuff that I've been watching over the past couple months. You know, things that we've been discussing, places we've been moving. Uh, you know, we're currently getting ready to experience Hurricane Ian. I just got my internet a couple days ago, I gotta say this, and I've already lost it twice. I don't know if it's because my internet is shitty, um, or if it's because this hurricane's coming in. You know, I'm I'm kind of a little sketchy about it, so I might end up having to get a new, new system or something like that. Let me see if I'm still offline. Looks like I'm still offline. Damn it. Anyways, um, let me know what everyone else has been doing. I hope everyone else has uh, been well over the summer or winter, whatever season you're experiencing. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of mixed on the weather changing right now. I'm honestly, I'm sort of ready to start, you know, putting on long pants and whatnot. But I also enjoy going to the beach. You know, I enjoy, you know, not to the beach, to the pool. I enjoy being outside, and I. I enjoy walking places and experiencing outdoors, and the more crazier weather it gets, it's like, ah, I don't want to be out there. <laughs> so, all right, everyone, thank you for listening, watching Look It Out Podcast. Let me know how I can improve the podcast, and again, um, sorry that you couldn't, I couldn't get all these sounds out from the appliances, but I'll improve upon the uh, the, the new location that we're shooting and and uh, recording in when it's not the the studio. But uh, thank you for listening, watching Look It All Podcast. Check us out on all the social medias. Remember, you get all of the podcasts early on patreon.com slash Podcast and com. You can check all of the descriptions for the links and in the description. And uh, yeah, take it easy.